Alrighty, you're listening again to the CNC replay. I'm Chris. I'm Noelle. I'm Corey. And I didn't say CNC sports. I think that's the first We're time. So proud of you. I think that's the first time I've done that. I'm so <laughs> glad that you know the name of this podcast now. The that's name so that cool. we've had for months. We may have a logo. I don't know who we may have a Twitter account. Okay, whatever. I'm sorry, but I, I, not anymore. We're doing great. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, anything, buddy. Yeah, I know. Anything? Anything fun happened on Twitter this week, guys? I've been taking a little bit of a social media hiatus, and but I'm um, I'm coming back soon. Coming out of retirement. Did, did, was there anything interesting that happened? Or um, I mean, not sports, sports related, sport? but like um, any any sports beef? Any uh. Um, I mean, to keep it lighthearted, not a whole lot of sports. Um, there's some more controversy if we can, if we dive deeper into that later on in the show. Um, but, uh, Bobby Schmurda's out of prison. So that, that means his hat is going to come crashing down to planet earth. Um, and he will, uh, you know, bring vengeance upon the rap game once more. And Daft Punk is no more. Yeah. As of this afternoon. As of this afternoon. quits. I mean, they haven't released anything in, like, 30 years, but still. <laughs> I didn't know if that was, like, I saw something about that, and I said, like, oh, they'll be great if they split up. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep. That's yeah. crazy. They are no more. So what is so what if um, Shmurda teams up with Daft or Punk? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the, wor- the world's not ready for that, Chris. <laughs> A second dance. Oh, well. Alrighty. Well, in that case, let's hop into the Pistons. Uh... Does anyone know anything about the, about the Pistons? Come on, we were I know credibility here. I know we were doing so good. Uh, I know that we had a game postponed, unfortunately, against the Spurs, which uh, they were scared. I, yeah, that's why I, I was going to say we were going to lose. But well, don't we you were, know Detroit is where good teams go to die? They, there you go. Unless you're playing against good teams. <laughs> well, no, that's yeah, that's what we. So maybe they we were mean. scared. Yes, they were scared. They're like, ah, oh, I'm coughing. I have the the Rona, and NBA's like, we understand. You don't want to play the juggernaut. Sure. That that is the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> so, I mean, we could basically call that a W. Mm-hmm. I think. So we they beat the Spurs. They could just taken uh, Dim Dunk Tim Duncan out of uh, Dim Duncan. <laughs> Dim Duncan. <laughs> Dim Duncan out of retirement. The. The, the the very technical Dim Tunkin. Yes. They could take him out of retirement. We could have played, but oh well. Uh, the Fig Dumb Demental, right? All right. We need it. We need to continue. We, we need to continue on with the show. This is. Alrighty. Alrighty. No one should have uh, ever given me a mic. Someone blew up this week, guys. Go ahead. Who has it? Who has the. Who has I got, the I'll do it. Our, Thank good, you for it. our good buddy out of the SEC. Saban Lee. Yeah. Um, kind of came out of nowhere uh, just due to injuries and uh, just, uh, you know, just trying to get the young guys playing. Uh, Saban Lee came in against uh, the Magic uh, this past, uh, I believe it was Sunday, um, and he had a, a pretty pretty entertaining game. Um watching some of the replays like he he was definitely the most noticeable player on the Pistons besides of course Jeremy Grant our best friend um but uh also interesting to note that he is or was the Pistons last pick uh in this year's in this year's this past year's NBA draft um so usually in the NBA you don't get a whole lot of production out of your second round picks i mean it's not it's not uncommon but usually 
your your draft solely depends on the guys that you've you took in the first round um but just with this little you know bright spot and blurb of of production from Saban I mean it's one game we can't overreact um but I mean if he can be a solid just even NBA player coming off the bench doing whatever um we're going to the finals yes yes (laughs) well I mean given our track record against good teams like if somehow we can find our way into the playoffs who's gonna stop us we've beaten we've beaten everybody everybody that's good like what are the lakers gonna beat us uh four games in a row no we beat them like what uh, i i don't know what so chris you're not that far off but the point i'm trying to make is that um the the draft this year for the pistons if Saban Lee can, you know, be a, an effective player, looks really, really good. Um, and what more do you want from a, a young core than your most recent crop of draft picks producing almost right away? Again, Saban Lee is just, it's this one game, but if, I mean, if he can build games upon games, um, why not? And I think that's what you have to look at for the Pistons as uh, the most, unfortunately, the most exciting rebuilding team right now, um, mm. which is kind of sad, but also is kind of the truth. So I don't know what you guys are thinking, um, but Saban Lee looked really good the other day, and uh, the Pistons did not, unfortunately. But you're looking for you know the small things with this team, and um, I just I don't know what they're going to do with Dwayne Casey. Uh, the coach, because I mean, he 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 was. I liked him in Toronto, and obviously they made the right choice. Oddly enough, by you know sending him on his way, and then they get a you know an NBA championship out of that. Um, but that also was due to LeBron leaving the East and uh, you know going to the West, and then the Lakers not making the playoffs. And um, so who knows but Dwayne Casey was when he was let go was the NBA coach of the year and then I thought it was a slam dunk hire for the slam dunk <laughs> for the Pistons when they when they brought him in and uh, unfortunately he's just been taking steps in the wrong direction um that could be due to talent um but I don't think anyone is anyone is um uh, going against his um, development of young players because the young players are playing well. Um, it's just that the team isn't. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you evaluate that. I don't know how you evaluate him. Um, and if if he's gonna stay next year, um, which I think he should, just given that you know you're not going to be very competitive. So why not just you know get these young guys used to a head coach? Um, but how do you how how do you evaluate a coach like Dwayne Casey but I don't know you guys might have some other thoughts about the Pistons I think that like that's that's always kind of been the hardest factor and this is what Jeff Blashill's kind of leaning on of why he's been there for so long is if you don't have any talent it's really hard to win games however we've been seeing people like Jeremy Grant and now Lee kind of blowing up slowly and surely so I don't know if we can keep on that trend if we keep losing then I think maybe Maybe a change of pace might be nice. Maybe just getting something new for the players, getting more motivated. Uh, I know it's kind of easy to fall into a rhythm, so maybe that's kind of just what's happened over in Detroit, and now they just need something to spice it up. But uh, the only really other thing I have thought-wise of the Pistons is we don't have really any news about Blake Griffin. Uh, we have some... That's Yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah, we have predictions, and I th- well, the good thing is, and to kind of tie in uh, our, our new young studs is, if we can at least get, I don't think we'll get anything major for Blake Griffin whatsoever, but if we can get something, s- a small piece of the puzzle, maybe to add in, it's going to let stars, I mean, it's already showing, I mean, Jeremy Grant now, Saban Lee is getting way more production than they used to, uh, because of Blake Griffin not being there. And someone's going to step up. We're probably going to see someone who will kind of take control like Blake Griffin usually did. But uh, I don't know where we're going to get him. People are saying that he might send him to the Thunder just because the Thunder doesn't really have a main stud as most NBA player teams do. They have usually one player who's like their top jersey sale, as I would would say it. And right now the Thunder – they uh they lost Westbrook. They don't have Durant. They haven't had Durant for a while, but and uh, there's not really further than over there. So maybe Blake Griffin, uh, Oklahoma Thunder jerseys, jerseys is what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, but that'd be sweet. I'd be down to buy that. But um, but who knows? I I would just like to touch on on Troy Weaver, um, who's the Pistons GM. Um, we've we've talked a lot about the Pistons and just some of these young guys, but how these young guys got here. Um, Luke Kennard obviously was traded in the offseason. That's kind of how we got some more draft capital in this past year's draft. Um, but Luke Kennard wasn't really anything special, and yet um, we still got a first-round pick out of him. We had to trade uh, another player. I, I believe it was to uh, Brooklyn. Um, Shamet, I think is his name. Um, but um, that first-round draft pick turned out to be Sadiq Bey, who is uh, the youngest player in that draft class. Um, and we've already talked and you know gushed over bay as a player but i mean he's 18 years old so um we turned one of our guys who we thought was going to be uh, a cornerstone or whatever to this franchise and we got somebody even younger who is seemingly producing more than what luke Kennard did while he was here um you got to give credit to where credit is due and everybody in the nba right now is talking about how good of a job troy weaver is doing um and uh i think that if anybody other than steve eisman goes for the second best gm in detroit it would be him and it's good because um he's building a roster that's young and he's building a roster that um uh a lot of nba executives are taking notice of so um so to your point, we haven't heard much about Blake Griffin, um, but I ha- I'm I don't want to say full confidence, but I have a lot of confidence that Troy Weaver will get the best possible thing that they can get for Blake Griffin. And if that means buying him out, I guess so be it. It wasn't his problem; he inherited that. If you want to call the Blake Griffin problem a problem, um, but I don't think that's the case. And if we get anything out of Blake Griffin, um, I know that Troy Weaver is going to get the most possible um, when you can't say that about a lot of different uh, GMs uh, in this league. So um, those are my thoughts. On- I love that. How is, uh, does anyone know what, how Blake Griffin compares to Miguel Cabrera? Is that with that salary thing? Is that any other similar or no? Is that a, is that a fair prediction? I have not looked at, at Blake Griffin's salary. I know that's terrible. I shouldn't admit that, but I, I Miguel Cabrera gets a bad rep. Because uh, the the thing is, everyone was expecting for that. Yeah, it's yeah, like you. It's uh, me, everybody. Everyone is expecting him to like be the Miguel Cabrera that we signed at that point of that contract. But he, frankly, he's just not. Is Miguel Cabrera? Would Miguel Cabrera be a serviceable 
if not good hitter on another team? Absolutely. It just sucks that he's kind of weighted down. So the point is, he's he's productive, right? Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin this year has, with the exception of a couple of games, has not been very productive. I remember the it was the turnaround game. Um, it was the turnaround game against the Rockets when the Rockets finally got rid of James Harden and they're starting to play a little bit better. Uh, and the Pistons ended up losing that game, but I remember watching the end of that game and Blake Griffin had like, like three points and this was a game where both teams were in the hundreds so mm-hmm. not only was he the highest paid player on this team um he was also the least productive so i don't think you can say that about miguel Cabrera. i think there's <laughs> at least five or six guys you can say are less productive than him and miguel cabrera i mean he can still get some base i know that but he's he's not the player that he was but he is still a good player blake griffin it's kind of up in the air and it's sad because i mean he really did he really did put put his body to the limit here and it's just now his body's starting to fall apart and he can't really be that serviceable so um i think that's a I, I like where you're going with it. I just don't agree with that comparison because I think Miguel Cabrera still has some things left in the tank. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. He's slow, but he can definitely get on base, which is nice. Right. And then there's also Miguel There's also uh, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, that's a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that was a really nice <laughs> joke. Well, the only thing, the, only, the good thing is, though, is Blake Griffin has one more year on his contract. And if, if for some reason... We can get the whole buyout. I don't think we'll have all of it, but in another year, we'll have a lot to work with again. It's kind of similar, similar to what's happening with the with the wings, but but I, that that's the only kind of I think lay at the end of the tunnel this whole thing. But it's if, it's just everyone's in a rebuild. Yeah, There's, everyone's in a rebuild. Well, that's the thing too. If Jeremy Grant can keep can keep like if he can show that he can withstand these numbers or you know keep these like pump yeah. out a 30 point game which he has i mean it's it fluctuates a little bit but he had 40 points uh like three games ago in a loss yeah. against the bulls i think um but if he can show that he can with like just keep those numbers where they're at i mean maybe you can start to bring in uh i don't want to say i'm not going to say superstars but fringe superstar players yeah um or maybe even bring in another jeremy grant type guy who just needs some more playing time and then finally comes into his own um so i think at the beginning of this podcast we're all like we don't know anything about the pistons and if they don't have a superstar so it doesn't matter but um look at uh the raptors i mean they lost a lot of guys they have fred van fleet they have pascal siakam and they're still a pretty competitive team in this eastern conference um so if you can build through the draft maybe sign a free agent here and there or like like a I don't want to say Gordon Hayward's a superstar, but like a Gordon Hayward type player who has some superstar capabilities, you could be you you could be competitive in, albeit a weaker conference than the West. But still, I mean, if you're in and you're competing, then you have a shot. Yeah. And there's also the fact that Wayne Ellington is kind of up in the air for a trade that's been rumored for a couple weeks. So yes. that's another another way to get assets for said rebuild get rid of get rid of sounds really harsh but you know have the veteran move on to a potential playoff team who's looking for a a sharpshooter to fill holes and you know get a second rounder get a 
I don't even know what the Pistons need at this point in terms of uh, position, but you there's know, a lot of, there's a lot of dreaming you can do with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I agree. And speaking of dreaming, we can do uh, Kenny Galladay. Quick little thing to the Lions. Oh boy! Tomorrow we got a big decision. Brad Holmes has to do something tomorrow. Oh. I'm sure he's made the decision tonight. But what do you? Uh, any thoughts? I mean, I there's a potential franchise tag. Uh, there is. I there's the free agency. He at the moment is probably the Lions' best player. Yes. People, I would. I yes. think that's pretty common knowledge. Uh, but at this point, we got rid of Stafford, who now Kenny Galladay is now our best player on the lineup. Uh, and because of that, do we just start from ground zero completely? I've been listening to a lot of like just local talk about about this situation. It seems like the 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 most popular answer is to tag him and trade him. Um, and they're getting a lot of comparables to a Jarvis Landry deal um, that sent him to Cleveland. Um, and uh, I think that that deal fetched the Dolphins a fourth and a seventh round pick. Uh, so they got multiple picks out of it, but I believe Landry was older than Galladay at the time. Landry was not in his prime when he was traded. The difference is Kenny Galladay is going into his prime. Um, so I would think that you could get something a little bit more than a fourth round pick. A lot of people are wanting a second. Uh, the experts say that that's not an attainable um, ask, but I mean, why not? I mean, yeah, you're. I mean, you are looking for a guy who uh, is a game changer. And when Kenny Galladay is on the field, I mean, the man is a monster. Um, um, and would probably instantly, with the exception of maybe five teams, would be the best receiver on any team. Um, or I. That's probably. Don't exactly quote me on that because we could rattle off like DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones. Um, all, I mean, uh, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, a top 10 talent. So, on, yeah. you, you get what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. So, um, I've heard that. I, I personally would like to see them because if we're rebuilding, then you got to do something. And if they sign him or tag him, they'll immediately be over the cap, which yeah. blows my mind because they're one of the worst teams, yet they're still over – they're still paying a bunch of people or they have dead cap or whatever. They're paying over the cap to be really bad. And that just doesn't sit well with me. Um, no, but I also did hear that some people believe that this rebuild can turn around quickly and they're comparing it. Well, a baseball rebuild takes like years upon years and a football, you could basically have a ton of roster turnover and be competitive um, within the next two years. I know that a couple of the, Authors, authors, uh, beat writers at the Athletic did a article where all four of the major writers, so Lions, Pistons, Wings, and Tigers, all sat down and discussed like what's the future of Detroit sports look like, and their conclusion was that the Lions and the Pistons realistically have a better chance of getting to a championship next compared to the other two. Just by so sad, right? Just by virtue of the way that those franchise or those leagues work in rebuilds. Yeah. So holy cow. Holy cow. That's a fun little nugget to chew on for a second. Mm-hmm. You have a challenge, Steve. You got this, buddy. 
I, I have full faith in Steve. I don't think anybody, anyone who doesn't should be sent down the Detroit River. <laughs> that feels a little bit like a mob hit. Um, I didn't say in what, I didn't say in what capacity, just sent down. You okay. Know. CNC mob. Yeah, take that as you will. <laughs> um, Threatening. That's how I'm taking it. Yeah, you'll be fine. I'm, I'm honestly, <clears throat> I'm hoping that he gets traded. Sure. I, I, I think at this point where we're at, especially that we just picked up Jared Goff, you have the chance of of picking up uh, Micah Parsons coming mm-hmm. up at linebacker, but I am blanking on his name. Where is he from? Alabama, uh, probably. Yeah, probably from Waddle. Alabama. Waddle or Devontae Smith? It was Devontae Smith. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It was Waddle. It was Waddle I was looking at. What school, is he, what school is he from? He's They're from, both from uh, Alabama. That's right. Yeah, Alabama. That's You've seen what a lot of rookie wide receivers can do pretty quickly. Sure. Um, I think if you pick up Waddle, Jerry Goff's going to have fun with him. Like I, You're, you're going to be okay. You still have... But... I know you're going to have some time. Things are going to happen. It could be an Okuda situation where you pick up Okuda and he ends up being like the worst cornerback in the whole league. But I have a feeling that I, I will not a feeling. I will I have a feeling we'll trade him, but I hope we do. And that's my prediction. And that's kind of my prayer at the same time is that we trade him away, start from ground zero, and then pick up the, the wide receivers coming up in the draft. I think I think that's a viable option, and I think a lot of people in Detroit are thinking that way. But uh, to your point, some people are saying again because of roster turnover and that rebuilds happen quicker. Why wouldn't you try to sign Galladay to a four-year deal and be terrible for the first year, and then wouldn't you think or hope you could compete by years, maybe two, three, and four, especially three yeah. and four. I mean, that just really, I, I guess that speaks to how much you believe in the guy or how much you believe in the in the regime that you have currently and uh, how quickly you think you can turn this around. Um, so there's a lot of different options, but I, I think the one that makes the most sense just because they're going to be so, so bad next year would be to trade him and try to get some draft capital because I think if you look at a lot of, really good NFL wide receivers in in today's NFL, many of them were taken in the mid rounds. Um, uh, Tyreek Hill, I think was a, he was a mid round pick. Um, Antonio Brown famously was like a sixth or seventh round pick. Um, it seems like the Steelers pull guys out of like the third or fourth round every year and yep. they're pretty productive. So um, I think if you're going to go that route, Maybe do it because you're not you can't you can't have wide receiver in core that starts with Quintess Cephas. I like him. Yeah, no, you can't have him. And no. we talked about that last week. So it's a tough decision, but I think whatever they do, because um, it kind of seems like a mixed bag. Many people will have one opinion or the other. Um, I think the worst thing that you could do is let him walk. Yeah, and get oh, nothing. Absolutely, but 100%. you could get a consent. Uh, Another pick, a contemporary, contempus, I can't speak. Whatever that word is, that starts with a C. Um, but it could turn into a third-round pick in the next year's draft, not this upcoming. So I think that's the worst-case scenario, but all the other options, probably pretty good. 
So no, I'm I'm with, I'm with you wholeheartedly. This is really um, lame. We don't have strong opinions this week. Maybe it's I know all exhausted. Okay, I don't know. here's a strong opinion. I think that you're dumb. Okay. <laughs> Blow out the speakers. I think, okay. I think if Goddard gets traded, he's gonna go to Jacksonville. Here's why. Well, here's why I'm right. They're gonna be picking up a. They're gonna take Trevor Lawrence. It's pretty much all but certain. I, who wouldn't? I'm upset that we don't get him. But they have who? Chris Lee. Isn't that their only receiver that they that they really have that's actually notable? No, they drafted they drafted a couple wide receivers last year. Chenault. Still, I think Gallaudet would be a good fit for for a rookie quarterback. I don't think he's going there. Where do you think he's going? Um, that I couldn't tell you. Uh, I just don't think he's going to go to Jacksonville. So you just start listing off of off all the football teams, and Corey will say no, no, no. And the last one you say that he says yes to, that's where he's yes. Going. Chargers might char- Chargers might be a good fit, maybe. But they've got a couple weapons. They've got Keenan Allen out there. They've got a deep threat. But I mean, <sighs> Colts just Colts just did a bunch Jets? of stuff. Uh, Jets are going to be terrible. I mean, they don't know, have any but... wide receivers, but I mean, they're still going to be pretty bad. They could, but I don't think they're going to turn it around that quick. I'm kind of shocked that I, I'm surprised that they're still holding on. Patriots? No, Sam that would Darnold. work. Cause, no. Yeah, because Patricia's there and nobody on the Lions wants to ever see there. Patricia ever again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That bad. How crazy is that? They, they don't even want you to be on the same team that you're not even, like, you're assisted to the defensive coordinator. Isn't that what Patricia's at this point? Yeah. Corey, control your animals. All right. I got to. I got to. Control the dogs. Give me a minute. Continue. Hey. Welcome back to Corey's Dog Break, where we talk about things when Corey's not around. He's got two dogs. Well, his sister has two dogs named Mike and Sully. Hey! And apparently they are not having a good time. (laughs) That's okay. Do you remember how excited we were as a collective city when Patricia became head coach? Like, I feel like I wasn't even like... Football was not on my radar, but I was. I remember the buzz and the excitement. Yep. And oh, wow, yeah. what a difference! What a difference well, a few years makes. Every either every Super Bowl or every other Super Bowl, you saw Matt Patricia. So it's like he's so he's such a notable coach. Like he had to absorb some of I, that good coaching from from that era or that area. Yeah, right. Exactly. And. Even even I was just watched a thing today about Cam Newton and Cam Newton. I don't know if Cam Newton will probably be with the Patriots next year, but literally, yeah, I agree. Cam Cam Newton literally was like Bill Belichick is the best coach I've ever met. He's the coolest dude. He's he's like he knows the game and when he teaches, he teaches about the game. And when you have literally, arguably the greatest coach of all time of Bill Belichick, you would think that his defensive coordinator would be pretty snazzy and uh i don't know if he just did the belichick mentality wrong or uh the players weren't absorbing it and there was a problem in our locker room but it seems to be uh seems to be that patricia just didn't really know how to handle and uh harness the the belichick mentality oh, for sure so, he had no control over that locker room at all no near the oh end. my word not even close and uh which is quite quite sad. So I'm very excited because I honestly I want to be friends with Dan Campbell. 
I think I he's like he's exactly I would love the type to have some steak with him. Too. Right? Oh yeah. He's like, I just want to go get some steak with him. Like, wouldn't that be so much fun? Just like, hey, we'll take you to get some steak, Mister Campbell. I want Thank some you very fresh much. kneecaps with Dan Campbell. <laughs> I don't think that would be taste too tasty. No, nope. not a lot of meat on there. No, too well done for me. <laughs> anyway, well, tigers. That, yes, tigers. <laughs> Woohoo! I. <laughs> Man, this is this is where it gets me in trouble. It seems every preseason is when I get too excited. Um, I've learned my lesson with the Red Wings because they will be at the bottom of this division that they are in. Um, yeah. But you have to you have to look through the cliches of spring training and look to see what you actually have. Um, so of course everyone's saying ah Spencer Torkelson is hitting moonshots and BP Miguel Cabrera's in the best shape of his life blah 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 no I mean the tip no the the typical spring training talk and also if you're hitting moonshots and BP that's one thing uh, are you hitting moonshots in the game is another um, so we won't we won't know that until Torkelson gets back up into the into the bigs well you missed but, it before you got on the call oh, chris yeah. was uh getting a little excited about torkelson and his launch angle and all that good mm-hmm. stuff i sure was yeah. i mean everybody everybody is everybody should i mean he's the most exciting offensive prospect we've had in in years um but uh he'll he'll probably be up quicker than most people think i don't know if it'll be this year but it'll I mean, you could you could very well see him opening day roster of next year, um, just Absolutely. given just given he missed a whole minor league season last year. Um, but uh, I'm really excited again for AJ Hinch. I said it in the beginning. Um, regardless of what you feel about the Astros scandal, yes, they cheated. Blah 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 blah. What he cheated to, fine, whatever. I don't care. When at the time AJ Hinch was the best manager on the market, and the Tigers got him. That was one of the one of the only correct things they have done in the Alavila tenure ever. So I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to see what he can do with a very young pitching staff. Um, he says he really likes some of the the stuff out of guys like Turnbull and and saying that there's a lot of healthy arms. Sure, that's exciting. Um and I'm kind of pumped for that. But I also failed to realize, and I think most Detroit writers failed to realize kind of signing went under the radar. Uh, the Tigers signed Julio Tehran to a minor league deal. Um, for those of you that don't know who Julio Tehran is, um, before the Braves got very, very good, um, Julio Tehran was their, basically the ace of the team. Um, so um, he kind of had some issues like staying healthy and doing all that, but still like he, he was an all-star twice for the Braves, once in 2014 and once in 2016. Um, and for the Braves, he had uh, over 13 or 13 or excuse me, 1300 innings pitched and he had a 367 ERA um, over 500 uh, 500 winning percentage. Um, so he signed with the Dodgers last year. Those is or not the Dodgers, the Angels last year. Uh, and it was his age 29 season, and he, he got roughed up. Um, but, again, that could be due to a, you know, a not great, uh, you know, spring training because everything was cut short. And then I think he got hurt and uh, just either opted out or just didn't rehab or whatever. So he didn't really finish his year with, with, the, uh, 
with the Angels. But lucky for us, that means we can get another major league capable arm potentially onto the roster. And that's interesting because Alavila was saying that the Tigers may go with a six-man rotation. And honestly, I I kind of like that. I understand why you'd want to why most teams go with the five man to get their best arms going. Um, but as we saw last year with our, we thought our ace, Matt Boyd, um, <laughs> um, maybe hiding starts from some of these guys would be a good, would be a good avenue to do so. And pitchers get hurt all the time. And seemingly, especially they get hurt on the Tigers. Look at Matt Moore, look at uh, Ivan Nova, uh, look at um, Tyson Ross. And just in th- that's just in the past two seasons. And it seems like they get hurt and then they don't come back. Um, or go so, to Boston. Or, or go to Boston. Um, and <laughs> speaking of Boston, the Tigers are looking at Rick Porcello, too. Um, oh, there we go. So, like, just a massive amount of arms that they're going to have uh, with this team. Um but to hide starts from maybe your not-so-great pitchers, that also protects the arms of your young guys, who everybody's saying Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal are going to make the opening day roster and be a part of that rotation. So everyone's always concerned, how many innings do you give these guys? How many, how many starts should they have in a season? Should they get shut down? If you have a six-man rotation, automatically they're not going to have as many starts as someone in a five-man rotation. Um, so... For a team that probably isn't going to be very good and for a team that wants to give guys MLB um, looks um, but doesn't want to wear out their arms, a six-man rotation might be the best thing that the Tigers can do. That doesn't equate to uh, 91 wins in a AL Central division title. I know that, but mm-hmm. it puts your players in the next step, the next direction, because it seems like... A lot of times in Major League Baseball, you have guys come from the minors, don't pitch as much, and then they get thrown into a Major League rotation, and now they're pitching more than they have ever before. So there's not really an intermediate step. Um, And I think with the six-man rotation, you would have that intermediate step for Scooball, for Mize, and uh, that could help them build stamina and endurance and potentially keep their arms fresher and healthier for their careers. So... Nice, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, that's – I love baseball. Baseball was my first love. So, like, focusing on that stuff and seeing what they can do to at least have some sort of a competitive edge, I love. And they're going to have – I no, think, I loved listening to that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of bullpen arms. We talked about Derek Holland. He's on a minor league deal. If yeah. he sucks, that's the beauty of it. We can just cut him and it's fine. Um, yeah. Jordan Zimmerman is finally gone. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. I mean, he seems like a nice guy, but he just was with that contract, and he was not a good pitcher for us. So goodbye. So you're not going to get an automatic loss every time unless Boyd continues the direction that he's going. Which I don't think he will because he still strikes out a ton of people. I don't. I don't understand. Boyd is like one of the best strikeout pitchers in Major League Baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least from, I'm going to get abused for that. But at least as a left-handed starting pitcher, he's one of the best in Major League Baseball at striking people out. Yet he's got like an eight ERA. That doesn't make any sense. How do you get just absolutely tittied and then strike out everybody else? No sense. So I hope that means he's going to bounce back. I don't know, um, but yeah, I like. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the Tigers this year, and uh, maybe just maybe they can be bad, 
but kind of fun and maybe finish like 500. I think everybody would be happy with that result. Yep. No, I, I absolutely agree. I really do. I I don't I don't see us going over that. <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's even a stretch, but I could see it. I really could. Our division My, is going to be really competitive too. Oh it's yeah, oh. twin socks. Good look. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Man, I it's the twins are are they kind of just blew up as of the past couple of years, and I forget that they're, I completely forgot that they're in in our division. Holy cow, we got to get to them, don't we? Changing anything like. I know the NHL was kind of drastic because of the division reordering and stuff. Are any other pro sports doing that, or is that just an NHL thing? Um, well, every everyone kind of followed that suit for their first season, like like pre or right. post COVID. Right. Um, I th- well, because the NFL didn't do anything. Uh, Major League Baseball, when they started, was all centralized uh, opponents. Yeah. Uh, I looked at the schedule. Major League Baseball is going to be full and open. They're not going to have a centralized uh, thing. So I think it's just going to be a one-year thing as they figured everything out, develop protocols, and do whatever. But Because um, yeah. even spring training is having fans this year, um, like 25% oh, capacity. Great. So how so. jealous are you that you're not there right now? <laughs> well, you don't think I'm going to go at some point? There we go. I don't know. That's a plane ticket down to Florida, man. Or Arizona. I like Arizona. Arizona. It's just really unfortunate because the Tigers don't play in uh, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But no, they don't. Hey, maybe we'll report from uh, spring training. <laughs> I already reported live from Sunrise, and yeah, there we go. Too badly lost, but <laughs> yeah, it's super sad. Well, hey, I read that uh, uh, three out of uh, two out of the three losses from the Florida Panthers came from us, baby. What up? What's up? Where are you are at, we, Florida? Are we talking about hockey now? Or are we? Are we? Are we? I'll, sorry, really quick. Before I do, want to. I want to gush again about Torkelson. I. I'm sorry. He wants I, to get it on record. I. I coach baseball on the sides, and I say coach. I'm. I'm one of the assistant coaches. I'm not like a head coach for baseball. Also, Chuck, if you're listening, love you, buddy. Thanks for listening. Uh. But I I coach I coach thirteen to fourteen year olds, and uh, I do more of the hitting just because fielding I play first base and there's not so much you could do besides teach them how to push off the bag and snap. But and be tall, that, just be tall. Be tall, exactly. But I can hit fairly well. That's one of my hidden talents. So one of the things that I love teaching with these kids is launch angle, and especially at their age because that's something that they weren't taught, and now that it's going to actually apply now that velocity's coming up. But Spencer Torkelson has such a good launch angle. I was watching uh, the Tigers posted something about him, and he was doing the batting practice. And obviously, you're getting practically like underhand tosses, so obviously you're gonna knock him out of the park. But he does such a good job at putting the bat where it needs to be. And the best part is, is that's what you see in all of the big home run hitters. And the hard hitters, not just the home run hitters, but the out-of-the-park hitters. Like, you'll see that out of Juan Soto. You see it out of Ronald Acuna. And I have a very, very good feeling that we're going to see something like that out of Spencer Torkelson. I know that that is a uh, controversial statement that Spencer Torkelson is going to be as good as Ronald Acuna or Juan Soto. But Easy. But, uh, yeah, with that's all I want to really say about, uh, about the... 
uh, the Tigers. Does anyone want anything else to say about that? Noel, do you want to say anything about our beloved baseball cats? No. I'm excited for baseball. I'm sorry, guys. I'm nursing a headache, so I'm really quiet this podcast because my brain is not functioning. That's okay. Yeah, that is we'll, okay. We'll pick up the brain function for you. Thank you. That's okay. And you we'll pick it up have, with the Red Wings. Have the talking uh, capacity. Uh, <laughs> I, I I just gotta say I'm I am pretty. I I've given the Red Wings a lot of grace. I'm not gonna give up on them at all. But um, I am I am just about at the end of the rope with them. I think what the most frustrating part is is that we have some semblance of talent. Like we've gotten rid of a lot of the dead weight and replaced that with people who actually know how to play hockey. And yet, like, even if you look at the stats, uh, there was, are you guys ready for this awful stat? Of course. Okay. I think I know what it is. Uh The, the goals for on five for five for the Red Wings is 1.9. Five for five, we almost make two goals a game. Five for Bad. four, we are also at 1.9. With an extra skater on the ice, we still only average almost two goals a game. But that is only when we have five skaters and the other team has four. Uh, how <laughs> like at some i i was even telling them like can we forego power plays or like 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 just like like develop a new rule we would be where, competitive if we didn't have power plays no i'm i'm like saying like if we like turn down enough power plays then we get one penalty shot so like let's say like there's <laughs> five we get five penalties like for us in a game and we turn them all down and it's like okay if you turn down five penalties you get one penalty shot for free if there's something we could do like that the red wings should absolutely do that because that's how abysmal it doesn't make mathematical sense no nope. yeah. not at all none no and it's so so unfortunate because this is a team that has been the the top of well-run organizations and well-coached and how, how how this this is my this is my this is my argument for um for the get Jeff Blashill out of Detroit. Uh, We're all on uh, that train. It just won't happen. I, I know. This season. But this this is my main reason why is. You even have an extra. You haven't. I know you don't have the the talent that other teams have. I totally get that, but you have competent players. You have competent players. I agree. You have. If you can't do any better with an extra skater, what are you teaching them? What are you showing them? Do you know what you're doing when it comes to power plays? That's that's at the end of the day what it's like. No, if you cannot show that you're not even slightly better when there's a power play, please just go back to Grand Rapids or just get the heck out of here. I'm sorry. I I, I, I one day watch watch this podcast blow up, and uh, we see Jeff Blash show in Plymouth, and I just have to like feel like <laughs> I talk a lot of crap about you. It's not I'm even Flash. It's Bilesma. Yeah, that yeah. too. We could get like it. It just shows some signs of of getting something out of there. 
because I I could not stand Fershweiler when he was here. He was the power play coach. I and it's I read even you worse. those stats the other day. And you read us those stats. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. No, I'm gonna get like yelling here, and it's like I again. I was telling, I was, I was sitting my next to my dad who was alive during the Dead Wings era. He saw, he saw Steve Eiserman go from you know just the the promising young stud to like we don't even know if he's gonna win a Stanley Cup to finally seeing the Cup in Detroit in 1990. So he said that's the best sports moment of his life ever, seeing Steve lift that first Stanley Cup. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like to my dad, how on earth? Can a team look so much not like an NHL team losing seven to two against the Panthers and literally the next day beating said team? That team is in first place in our division. So if anything, A, that should speak to the parody of the NHL that anybody can beat anybody at any given time. Doesn't matter how bad you are, which is really cool, but still also the frustrating Red as heck. Super frustrating. Like I didn't even I didn't even get to watch both. I watched like the the condensed games, and it, they looked co- like completely different teams. And they were shorthanded. Like Nemeth scored a goal, and then Brome. Thank goodness, Brome. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Hallelujah! That poor kid. I know he's three, two years older than I am, but like yeah, the relief that just exuded from that corner of the ice after he got that goal in astronomical he was the happiest person on the planet probably not the planet but definitely in detroit like yeah. that that was almost as good as when luke witkowski scored his first goal no that was awesome <laughs> that was like the, i love i i remember i was sitting next to next to my lovely fiance marielle uh shout out i love you honey uh and, and i when that I, you know no biggie but uh when when he scored, I love, and so does she, love watching NHL players score their first goal. It is like, it's like puppies and then NHL player. It's like the cuteness factor is just amazing. It's, it's so adorable. funny to watch. It's so funny it's to so watch. It's so cute. It's like these grown, grown-ass men yeah. who are just, sorry, swears. <laughs> the first swear on the pieces. <laughs> From Noel. Um, mm-hmm. but like these grown human beings who are some of the toughest athletes on the face of the planet, jumping and hugging their buddies because they got a puck in a net. It's just, it's so happy. <laughs> that was a highlight from this week. Uh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. The low light came the day before that. And I'm not even talking about the game. Yeah. I'm talking about the death of uh, Chica, the longtime masseur and uh, equipment manager of the Red Wings. He's been there since 1998, which is uh, one year younger than I am. So, yeah, that that's a bummer, and I it's good to see. Like we're talking about death, you don't Mm -hmm. say anything good to see, but. I guess it, it was refreshing to see like the emotion from the players. Absolutely. Like, like, like anytime you get to see like, uh, like an athlete show some sort of like humanity a little bit, I think that kind of is like, Oh, these, these people are real people. And obviously we all know this, but like when stuff like that happens, we get to see, um, um, the fact that they're really, I mean, the only difference between 
them and us is that they're really good at a particular mm-hmm. skill. And especially uh, hockey players, a, because they, I mean, they're so like tight to the chest kind of people. They don't express a lot just in general. Exactly. So, yeah, I um, completely agree. So Blashill was very emotional after that. And that's even, that's even somebody who, who didn't have the tenure with the Red Wings and showing that much emotion. So like that, that just shows you a, the impact of, of, of Chica yeah. uh, with the team. Um, and B, um, again, the humanity of, of the players in Detroit. So that, that was, that was, you know, obviously a very sad moment, but mm-hmm. cool that they could go out the next day and then, you know, get a win uh, for them. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird. Like how, I mean, unfortunately, like, it's almost like an expectation if there's like some sort of tragedy or death with that's close knit to an organization, the team just rallies around that and, you know, does really well. I mean, look at uh, the 2013 Red Sox, um, Boston Marathon bombing, obviously absolutely devastating. Um, But the team really responded to that. And then they go out and win the world series. Um, Say what you want about Houston. Uh, They had the hurricane down in Houston and then they go out and win the World Series, so it's it's very common. I'm not I'm not saying the Red Wings are going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm, no, I'm just know. saying this is a very microcosm event. Um, but uh, tragedy really seems to bring teams closer together and or motivate them to get the best out of them. Yeah. Um, so that's just an observation. No, I'm I Don't, completely agree. I think it, not even just in the sports world. I think tragedy brings out the best in people all over and to see it portrayed in a dozen different uh, a dozen different scenarios within sports. I mean, you got the the 98 wings with Konstantinov and um oh yeah. Uh I just completely forgot the their trainer's name. Anyways, uh yeah, you got them. Too. You got um even Gabriel Landeskog his first season back with the flyers after his after cancer after beating cancer like oscar Lindblom. Uh, yeah my bad sorry oscar Lindblom. you're good um, just, those are two very different, very different players, players. So. you're right Absolutely i was like very i thought landis cog was always with the abs nope <laughs> nope that's correct um yeah oscar Lindblom, like him coming back and like it's it's inspiring to see what unfortunate tragedy can bring out of human beings and i think that this is just a fun little not a fun fun was an awful word to use there (laughs) oh noel um it's just a really interesting microcosm as Corey was saying to to pull out of that Mm. situation scenario seriously oh do we even want to talk about the game before that came out the seven two loss do we want to speak we 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 touched on that okay we don't we don't, we don't need to go too much it. into it because i f- We're not feel gonna. like people just know that a seven two loss just all around was not good at all like the two goals we got flukes they were not actual goals it was like accidentally well happened. i mean okay no the bobby ryan oh you're right bobby ryan didn't score that. that was the only good thing for that game was bobby ryan's goal that was that was that was a you're correct um but yeah. yeah so um in other nhl news um, <laughs> can f- before we go on to lake tahoe can i just celebrate the fact that this is the one year anniversary of david Ayer's win against 
the Toronto Maple Leafs and also maybe one of my great my favorite hockey stories in the face of the planet. Like I just we just need to address that. This is a good day for hockey because a we can talk about this because it makes the Maple Leafs look so embarrassing. Like they it's always just do. wonderful. And that's probably honestly that's probably one of the best like NHL stories ever. Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. We had the Scott Foster uh, thing. Um, where he didn't give up. I think that story is absolutely incredible. Yeah. But now that gets overshadowed because David Ayers actually got the win in that game against the team that he drives the Zamboni for. I just hear Steve <laughs> Dangle yelling in the background somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, every time we need to we need to bring up embarrassment to the Leafs. Yeah. Every time. I wonder what happens in the Maple Leafs stadium when they're like walking in for training and for practice. And David Ayers, is he still driving the Zamboni over there? Or did, he, he was he with the minor league. Down? He wasn't like he oh, okay. drove the Zamboni and worked in the minor league arena. Oh. Like that was where he was. <laughs> he was just in the building because that was his. He was emergency goalie for that game. Sure. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I thought he actually drove Zamboni for the Maple Leafs. Mm-mm. He worked oh, for the organization, man. but not yeah. the actual team. I thought he did both. I don't know. Maybe I have my facts wrong. I thought he was. I, yeah, I don't, it's not that important. He's he's involved with the organization yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Uh, if I was if I was David Ayers, I'd be sizing up Austin Matthews every time he walked in the building. I would make him feel like such a loser every day if I, I possibly could. I know that sounds terrible, but like I would take all these young studs making multi million dollars and just be like, "Hey." I'm I'm batting a thousand against you. You got nothing. Yeah. So I watched a losers. <laughs> I watched a Sportsnet video today, kind of like happy one year anniversary, David Ayers, and it like went back and interviewed him a year later, and they were just reflecting on on the win, and he's like, I couldn't believe that they had given me the one star for the game, and I went out there and I was like, I thought the whole arena was going to be empty, especially like because I was for the opposing team, and like the Maple Leafs fans just wanted to get out there usually, get out of there when they lose. And then he went out there, and there was three quarters of the stadium was still in the building and, like, cheering for him. That's awesome. Which, like, <laughs> look, awesome. I don't give Maple Leafs fans credit nearly ever. But, like, yeah. if you're going to do one good thing ever, that's the one good thing to do. Like, give him his that's moment, so and that's awesome. It's, 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 any, it's every bit as good as a feel-good story you'll ever get. If it doesn't have a Disney remake movie sometime in the next 20 years, I will be mad. And a 30 for 30. It might. But you know what does have a Disney movie? Yes, I do. Miracle Ice, baby! (laughs) Hey. 41 year anniversary today. The greatest upset in American history. And thus the world. (laughs) I mean, also the women's U.S. team won gold in 2018 three years ago so on this day yes. at the same time i know correct but <laughs> still good ladies still exciting impressive. that was the that was the game winning uh shootout goal that you were talking about a couple of days yes, a couple weeks from, ago from the lamarose mm-hmm. i but you're right all credit all credit to where credit is due but i'm ladies i'm sorry no you're right i am with you miracle on ice definitely wins the miracle the miracle on ice wins every single time i don't care you give me any i don't I, i'm a hundred percent biased i do not care you give you give me some oh uh, well some soccer match from the world cup was a huge no you do not understand those russian athletes we were they were in the military to do one thing and one thing alone and that was play hockey and a bunch of college kids 
went out there and beat them. They beat them. They won gold. Miracle on ice. USA. USA. <laughs> Let's be honest. Did Miracle on Ice win the Cold War? No. Yes. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Maybe not, but yes. Maybe that'll be the next crash course. Considering they had to smuggle Fedorov out of Russia in a laundry basket? No. It didn't. Do you guys? And that was years ago. Do you guys want to know a happened. crazy story? Okay, so my mother told me this about a couple years after I decided to be a Wings fan. Uh, she goes, hey, Chris, I used to work at the Hilton down near uh, DTW. And I said, oh, very nice. She said, yeah, I worked front desk. And one day, uh, I, I, someone walked in, and he was with this young kid who didn't speak any English. And I was working front desk. And they said, you see this kid? His name's Sergey, and he just got here from Russia. And he's going to be the best hockey player Detroit's ever seen. And I just stood there and I looked at him and I said, ha ha, okay. My mother checked in Sergei Fedorov from DTW and decided to tell me when I was about 20 years old. I am not making this up. I don't know how I haven't told you guys since. Source, just trust me, bro. No, I swear. <laughs> no, I swear. we believe Heather. I swear to God, my mother will never tell a lie. She checked into Sergei Fedorov from DTW, and to this day, it's like the most like underrated thing my mother's ever done. But That's incredible. So, shout out Mama that. Heather. I love you, Mom. Aw. Cute. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like Heather would burst into flames if she was lying. So like <laughs> Oh <true>. yeah. <laughs> so so she I it's the fact that she told you this story, you have to believe her. So Yeah. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. She was like twenty something. She was like my age. It's super funny, but sorry. Anyways. Yeah. Good story, Chris. Thank Good you. Good story. Um yeah, so Lake we, Tahoe? Ha- we have to talk about Lake we Tahoe. We do have to talk about it. Just in the the one thing that the NHL seemingly does right is their outdoor events. Um, and mm-hmm. due to no fans and all sorts of just craziness, they decided to go the scenic route, literally, and uh, plan a game um, in California's Lake Tahoe. And honestly, um, mixed bag by a lot of observers, but um, regardless of the snafus they ran into the combination of of just the the stunning just stunning scenic views and honestly they were a couple pretty good hockey games um when they actually got played when they actually got played made it a hit um in my opinion and i think a lot of like hockey twitter the players were outspoken about it they were like this was a really cool event um and I even heard a rumor. So the, the whole thing about it was that the first game was on a Saturday. It started at 3, uh, 3 Eastern. p.m. our time. Mm-hmm. And then, what, that's noon? Yeah, noon. California time? California. Um, so they played the first period. You know, goalies are wearing, like, Ray-Ban sunglasses under their under their masks. <laughs> and just, you know, have, having a fun time. The NHL's rocking their reverse retro jerseys. So, you know, good the views Nordics on the ice. jerseys. The Nordics jerseys. <gasps> I hate the Avalanche, but those jerseys are disgustingly Hot. beautiful. Yeah, just Hot. vibes all around. Complete vibes. Just great vibes. Um, but yeah, so ice was melting after the first. Because period. I don't know if anybody knows this in the NHL, but the sun is hot at noon, no matter the time of the year. No way. I know. That's crazy. Um, 
So they couldn't play the game. Because they were tripping over craters. They weren't even, like, skating during gameplay, and refs and players were falling on their faces. Yep. And the, apparently, I also heard that, like, they delayed the game because they there was a storm that was supposed to come through. Um, uh, but so, sun, storm, and uh, the storm didn't happen. And they delayed the game until midnight uh, Eastern Standard Time. So, I, I remember, like, I was going to miss the game. Um, and then my buddy, who's an Avalanche fan, really sad, um, texted me. He's like, no, the game's going to continue at midnight. So, I, I got to watch the second period. It's dark. Still pretty fun beautiful they had they literally had to like rent like lights like on such a short like how 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 like what do you do as like some lake tahoe area light like salesman and the nhl calls hey we need lights like yesterday (laughs) like what do you what do you do and we need like 12 of them like now like industrial size can light up a football stadium lights yeah so it gets delayed uh Honestly, he was probably very excited because who in COVID is renting oh, yeah. lights right now? Nobody. So this guy was like, I just made great commission. Here we go. The NHL is putting money in my pocket. Um, so luckily, that wasn't a complete waste because then they, they were like, okay, we got to like make sure we're not in the hot sun. So they delayed the Flyers-Bruins game. No delays, no nothing. And that game was played in its entirety in the span of two two and a half hours as opposed to the avalanche vegas golden knights game that went eight hours <laughs> yeah. so um but gameplay was really good um i think you saw a lot of skill i mean the avalanche are one of the most skilled nhl teams in oh, the yeah. league um and boston is just a juggernaut uh, they have a lot they had they do have a lot of personality on that team Pasternak was rocking some that so. whole team, I'm so I've done this three times this this episode, but I don't like the Bruins, but I have to give it to them for the drip that they walked in with. Those the '90s straight, outfits? Are you kidding? The '90s, the mama I jeans. I was feeling it. The, and I'm so angry all, about it. <laughs> all the past, no, they rocked it, and they that's probably why they deserve the win. I mean, Philly was shorthanded; they didn't have their captain. I didn't see like this. A lot of and this. I cannot stand gritty, so uh, Philly oh, can I lose anything. Well, I think you're. I think you're. Wrong, I know, but. But I I think the NHL's gotta gotta milk these things because that's that's the way that they can bring in some fans. Because I think I think regardless, I, even the bad publicity was kind of good publicity. Like ha ha ha. Yeah, ha, no the publicity NHL is bad flat. publicity, isn't that the thing? Right. Um. So like the casual fans, like wow, this was a disaster, and then everyone else was like, no, nah, not really, but it was still pretty cool. Um. So <laughs> that's kind of how the NHL does these things. Yeah, really. Which leads us a little bit into what Corey's talking about today, right? Yes. I I always envisioned Crash Course to be about, like, stats. Um, but it's mostly just kind of like my TED Talk, <laughs> like, for whatever I want to talk about. But, like, still, like, it's, like, it's business-based. It's, like, you know, I'll, I'll show you some stats. I will do that in this in this segment. But um, uh, it's, it's just... Uh, it's kind of just it's kind of going in the direction where I talk about something that I want to talk about that doesn't really fit with everything. I mean, else. I chose but, to put books and and sports together, so literally that's all this is. Just sure. talk about what you want to. Well, then that's what we're going to do. So, crash course um, ties into the NHL's initiatives for. I mean, outdoor games. Everything that they do is to expand their market and expand. Um, how they reach the the non NHL fan, um, which I think 
even talking with relatives and people from like non-hockey markets like Indiana, every I everyone that I've had a conversation with that is not a hockey fan um, has said that when I've been to a hockey game live, I am so impressed with how fast and how skilled these guys are up close. Um, and I think that's the biggest advantage that the NHL has for their sport because um, you could talk to people about baseball. It's like, yeah, it's boring. And like, I don't like watching it at all. Or football, like, oh, I don't understand football or like other, like stuff like this. Basketball seems to have the universal thing. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is um, when it comes to sports marketing, the NHL and Major League Baseball. I'll group those two together, are at a, a distinct disadvantage. Um, the NFL is king in this country um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, just, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, it's easy to follow as a casual fan because you really only have to keep up with one game a week as opposed to multiple. Um, um, but I, I think the league that markets the best has to be the NBA. Uh, partially due to the structure of the sport there's only five players on the court at any given time um and your roster is isn't much more than i think the nba roster the max is like a 15-man roster um so what the nba does is they're very obviously a very player-driven league um so they market not the teams, but the players. So when you see an advertisement for the, the Saturday primetime game of the week, it's not Lakers versus Clippers. It's LeBron versus Kawhi. And it's the same with any, like the, the Bucks and the Pelicans. It's Giannis versus Zion Williamson. Um, and you can get away with that because you can exactly market those players because you're going to see that player on the court for over 75% of the game at times. I mean, there's resting, there's all this, whatever. So what you, what you market and what you see in your marketing is what you're going to get on the court as a final product. So that gets fans excited. They get to know about these players. They're like, man, I saw this guy play against, against the Lakers and he, he dropped 50 points and all all of this. Um, And the, NBA takes it and runs with it. Um, hold on. Dogs again. Pardon. Dogs. Uh, this is this shows. I, I I apologize to our to our listeners because uh, dogs are a big a big issue sometimes. But you love dogs anyway. Um, the the NBA can get away with this because they can see these players all the time. Um, and also, uh, NBA fashion is huge. Um, I think you've seen, a, especially with uh, Nike controlling, uh, it seems like three of the four major sport or sports for their outfitters, for their jerseys and production. Um, NBA fashion has exploded along with it. Um, so I think each NBA team has four or five different jerseys that they can wear on the court. Um, so that includes throwbacks, that includes city specifics. So Brooklyn does a really the Brooklyn Nets does a really good job with like incorporating um, like cultural things with their city. So they have their their alternate jerseys, a bedsty jersey and it's got like like it, it almost has like the 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 Ron Huxtable or like whatever or I no, I think it's the Biggie Smalls like sweater. Um, like embedded into the jersey so it, 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 it's another like 
key component of of selling uh, the the brand of the NBA, and players can and fans can like look in and buy their favorite jersey of their favorite player, not necessarily their favorite team, but also they have a plethora of jerseys they can buy. If they don't like the traditional home and away set, then they can get the city edition or they can get the earned it edition from a playoff team or something like that. There's just so much that the NBA does well as compared to the rest of the leagues. And the MLB and NHL are at a distinct disadvantage because simply they're not the NBA. Um, That's because it's a team sport, yada, yada, yada. But you look at the marquee players for the leagues, right? No secret, Connor McDavid is a is a beast, right? He's the most skilled player in the NHL. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is an absolute tank. He's got speed, he's got physicality, he's got score making ability, all sorts of the stuff. Um, but if you played these guys for seventy five percent of the game, they're gonna die. <laughs> you you can't see them on the ice. So for as many McKinnons and McDavid's that you have, you have three. Um, unfortunately, we love Luke Glendening, but he's not the most skilled or exciting player. You have three Luke Glendenings that you also have to watch. As a, so you ha- you have to wait to see that talent. Um, it's the same with Major League Baseball. Mike Trout is the most talented baseball player that we have seen in Major League Baseball in years. But he plays for the Angels. The Angels aren't a very good team, and they aren't marketed very well because Mike Trout can only get three to four at-bats a game. You can't see him do what he does best because he can only he's number two in a lineup of nine, and every player has to get their chance to go and hit. So it's kind of the same thing for every Mike Trout. You have 15, or not 15, you have four... Um, Again, we love him. We have four Nico Goodrums who are not the same caliber of player as Mike Trout. Um, so it, it's it's really hard for these leagues to showcase their best players all the time because they're not on the field of play all the time. And also, the f- I, I I think the fashion is a big deal. I, you have you have a, a baseball cap is synonymous with. I, I, I want to say fashion, but I mean, I have so many, but you can throw a cap on, that's fine. But it, it's, you can't throw a Mike Trout cap on, on your head. It's, it's the team and it's all, it's all of this stuff. So really, because the NHL and the M- and MLB are at a distinct disadvantage, you have, to, you have to try to model some of that marketing strategy with what's working with the NBA. Now that that's a you know as a business background person, you never want to just copy somebody else because you know if you're not the first to do it, you know people are going to say, oh, this is you're just copying this person and trying to get on board with it. But um, I would disagree here because you're just trying to get you're trying to get viewership and eyes in front of your product. Um, so I think there's a couple things I think that uh, each league can do. The first. Um, for Major League Baseball is stress, stress, stress the importance of the MLB All-Star Game. We didn't get it because of COVID, I understand, but out of the four major All-Star Games, the MLB All-Star Game is the most entertaining and the most competitive simply because baseball, you can't get hurt. And how you only see a certain star player once every six days for a start or once every uh, you know eight at-bats 
um, in, a, in a regular game, you get to see a superstar caliber player every single at-bat and every single pitch in the MLB All-Star game competing at the highest level. For Major League Baseball, you can campaign your World Series, you can campaign your, your championship levels, but there was an article in in done in 2020, it was, it was Sports Illustrated, of, of all of the major sporting events. Um, the top five Tour de France makes sense because um, big European, big, I mean, cycling just isn't huge in America, but it's huge everywhere else. World Cup makes sense because soccer is the world sport. Um, but it only happens every four years. Same with the Winter Olympics, the Summer Olympics. So those are top five. Um, but the MLB World Series and the NHL um, Stanley Cup final were not even in the top 20 of revenue and viewership. That's staggering. And March Madness, uh, the NBA Finals, um, the Super Bowl... All of those were in that list. That is staggering. So if you can't market it that way with your championship, market it in someplace else. In MLB, that's the best way because you get all of that talent on one field constantly, and it's super competitive. You can't get that with the other leagues because uh, half the time those guys just don't want to do it. I mean, they didn't even have a Pro Bowl this year for the NFL because given the structure of NFL football. Um, But still run with it because that's the one thing that you you have a unicorn in the MLB All-Star game as compared to all the other four teams. So MLB really, really needs to stress the importance of this event. Um, For the NHL, and I think you're seeing a little bit of that right now, um, stress the outdoor games because, again, that's your unicorn. Hockey was for the average American, Canadian, or everywhere around the world, you play hockey outside on a pond. So what better way to showcase that than putting a bunch of fans and making a Super Bowl caliber event at a at a football stadium at a um, you know a soccer stadium uh, in some cases in, in in Canada or a baseball stadium and combine those sports. So I had the privilege to go to the Winter Classic in 2014 at uh, the Big House at, in Ann Arbor. That was the most captivating sporting event I'd ever been to. It was there was snow, uh, the gameplay was great, and it was it was the most people ever to see a sporting event or an NHL game live and in person because they filled this stadium and it it was special. It really did feel, and it almost didn't even matter if the if the either team won or lost because that's how much of a of a, a novelty and an experience the game was. So continue to push that. I think the NHL does a pretty good job. <laughs> Sometimes they fall flat on their face, but still that's the thing. Oh, the NHL's marquee event and it's being talked about for weeks, days, or whatever you want to do with it. Um, but the second thing for the NHL, um, and you saw it a little bit this year with the reverse retros, let's bring back these throwback or these third jerseys and and really launch that NHL jerseys are the most expensive, I understand. But still, um, the reason that the NBA is so successful is that they have these throwback jerseys, they have these special edition jerseys, and people want to buy them. Um, the reverse retro jerseys got a taste of that, and it was a trial run because everywhere that has them, it's like, this is a limited time item. Once they're sold out, you're not getting them ever again. I'm a dumb idiot, and I currently have three in my possession because they're so cool, and they're like got a throwback feel to them. And honestly, some of the best and outrageous uh, sports designs came from '90s NHL jerseys. 
and the mighty the ducks. NH- are you kidding? The mighty ducks, the with the little duck thing flying out of the jersey. Yeah, That's the one the I have. Yeah, I just got that one. It got delivered to my house today, um, so I'm rocking that pretty soon. Um, and then like just the color scheme and everything. Do these things so at least you can get the conversation going. And it, if they don't watch your games, at least they'll wear your apparel. And I mean, and jerseys just, were a big fashion statement among musicians back in the 90s because they were wild, because they were fun. Yeah. Bring back fun to the NHL. That's my slogan for this year. Absolutely. Like, even, okay, even the vegas golden knights their helmets the golden helmets look atrocious they look awful but they're so fun and we're talking about them and it gives us that's that's another little marketing uh point for us like and of course it's vegas because that just it, it screams vegas that color but i love it i i hate it and i love it it's but still i think Easy steps. And once they master that, then you can get down to the structural things like why do no NHL players have personalities? Well, it could be for a multitude of reasons, but that starts at grassroots. That starts at grassroots. And if you have a league that's fun and engaging, kind of like the NBA, because NBA fans have fun watching these games. You know, obviously diehard any fan has has a lot of fun watching these games but still you get a casual fan which is what these leagues are trying to do they're like this is kind of boring or i don't understand this on tv and if you get them in the stadium then they're like oh this isn't too bad but then if you get them to the stadium multiple times like oh i like that hat oh i like that jersey oh i really like this event that they're doing that seems kind of cool and off the wall that's how you build fans and um the nhl and the mlb are at a uh, distinct disadvantage, but model your marketing campaigns after a campaign that is working and make it your own. So that's Crash Course, um, and hopefully everybody goes out and buys a reverse retro jersey because if you don't, then you're never going to see them ever again or buy them on eBay for like three times the price. So I could rank them. I, I, number one, Arizona Coyotes. It's Easy. purple. It's it's like got like the desert in it, and it's a hockey jersey. Deserts and hockey doesn't really mix, but still on a hockey jersey it does. Um, number two, Florida Panthers. Uh, pretty nasty. It's got the jumping panther. It looks really vicious and stuff, and like it's got like sixteen colors on it. Like I was wearing it the other day, and I'm like, dang, this is a freaking sweet jersey. And number three, just because of how outrageous it is, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. It's literally a ducks like mascot jumping out of the jersey like like ice broke on the jersey and he's jumping out and it's a humanoid duck breaking through the ice but it looks like it's breaking through the jersey and that's wacky and it's turquoise which is not one of their colors (laughs) it's turkey it's it's turkey it's turquoise it's i think it's It's turkey jersey well it's white but it has a lot of turquoise on it yeah um i like boston's they had they had a sick one it, it's kind of their it's their same style but that was cool uh number four would have to go to the the avalanche the nordiques jersey because that's yeah I, it looks like an elephant but actually i learned it's an igloo oh that's what it is mm. it's an igloo with a hockey i also on, thought so. it was an elephant so good I to know too. <laughs> so but look at that picture again and everybody who's listening look at that it's an igloo it's crazy um and number four that yeah, you, you're on number five Oh, yeah, number five. Number five, uh, 
don't know. That's tough. Um, I like the wilds. Wild wilds was cool. good. North the stars. North stars. Yeah. North stars colors. So yeah, that's my list. Go buy hockey jersey. That's Crash Course, and we're super over on time. So I talked a lot. That's okay. Um, you left out the Carolina Whalers jersey. I'm a little oh, upset by Hartford. it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, I know. That's five B. Five A, five B. You see, you I don't know for days. You know that how bad last Detroit Red Wings. Correct. Yeah. It's, that's the only it's correct answer. You don't know how badly I want a Gordy Howe Whalers jersey. Like I could get, I could get you one. I. I know you could, but I need the money first. If you can give me the money first to get that one, then that'd be great. Chris but. is also getting married, so he needs money. Uh, yeah. It's a trap. I know. exactly. <laughs> Marielle, we love you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Marielle's a sweetheart, everybody. Yeah. She is, she is definitely the best. And she, I hope she's surprised hears this. Maybe I'll hint to have her listen to the whole way through. But Oh, well. Well, with that being said, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we greatly appreciate everything that you guys do and, uh, turn in next week. Cause, uh, this is number five guys. We've been doing this for a month and a quarter of a month. How crazy is that? This is pretty nuts. Five so, weeks, five weeks, five Did weeks we think strong. We'd make it this far. Honestly, no. not really. Do we didn't anybody, bad, does anybody know we've made it this far? <laughs> <laughs> That's for you to decide. <laughs> oh well. well with that thank you guys so much and uh we will we will see you guys next week bye bye hey guys it's chris thank you so much for listening we greatly appreciate your support please follow us on instagram and twitter at the cnc sports pod and don't forget to tune in next week thank you so much